I got a confession tonight. I know y'all like it when I start off with confessions because once I confess, you don't feel nearly as bad about anything that you've done. But this is, this is like a, a preacher confession, but if you've been a Christian for a, a minute, you probably felt this too. Don't you wish that sometimes God would speak so obvious? Like, like God would speak to us today the way he spoke in the scriptures. Has anybody ever thought that? Like, I wish, like, for example, like, for example, you're trying to figure out whether or not to take a job, okay? You got a job offer, you're like, man, I don't know. And you're praying to God, I just need to know. And you go in your bathroom and there's an angel. And the angel says, take the job. That would be, that, that's pretty easy, right? It'd be like, all right, I'm gonna take the job. Thank you, love the wing thing, looks great, keep it, go, keep it going. Or, God, I just need to hear your voice and you're riding down the road and you got your music blaring and you're like, God, should I go out with him? And God goes, no. And you go, okay, well, gonna do it anyway. But thanks, God. I like, wouldn't it be awesome if God spoke like that? And I used to think if God would speak to us today the way he spoke in the Bible, that, that I wouldn't miss it, that I would be like, yes, and I would always get it right. The only problem with that are the people that God spoke to in the Bible that missed it. Like there's a guy in the Bible who's famous for missing it. His name's Jonah. Remember that? God was like, go to Nineveh. And he went to the other side of the world or at least tried and the whole fish thing happened. And God got him back on track. Um, there are people all through the scripture that God would say, this is what I want. And they, they would, ah, I don't know. They would push back. In fact, this is what I think. I think if people from the Bible could sit down with us today, they would say things like, oh, you got a book? You, you got a book with like God's word in it? You, you've got the Holy Spirit and he's always with you? Oh, they would, they would say, you got it way better than us. We, we would have an angel show up and we would mess our pants. And, and because angels, anytime they showed up, they were like fierce looking and they always scared people. That's why they always had to say, do not fear. Tonight, the, the reason I'm bringing that up is because like I said earlier, God's always speaking. God's voice is always, God, God wants us to hear his voice sometimes more than we wanna hear it. And so tonight we're gonna, we're gonna get into hearing God's voice and, and the, the right question to ask and the wrong question to ask. Because if anybody heard God's voice, it was, it was Moses. So let, let me back up, let's do a, a real quick review and then we'll, we'll get to where we're going tonight. Last week, we talked about Egyptians, right? And we talked about the Egyptians oppressing the Israelites. And the Israelites were making babies. And they're like, we gotta shut that down. So they worked them harder and they made some more babies. And Pharaoh said, we gotta throw all the male babies in the river. And then Moses' mom put him in a basket and he, she, he didn't drown because Pharaoh's daughter came down and got him and he grew up in the palace. When he was 40 years old, he went out and he killed an Egyptian. When he killed the Egyptian, he thought he was gonna be the leader, but they said no and Pharaoh tried to kill him. So he ran to Midian and met Jethro and married one of his daughters and was a shepherd for 40 years. Y'all remember that? Okay, good. Some of y'all are like, dang, he's, he about spoken tongues, baby. I, I told you it was coming. It might happen. I don't know. But, but that, that, that's what happened. So last week, remember, we had Moses and his stinky feet walking out in the desert, and he walked up on the bush. Now, the, the Bible says that, that the angel of the Lord, which is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus, appeared in the bush. It wasn't just a burning bush. It was Jesus on fire in a bush talking. Now I'm gonna go ahead and put my cards on the table and tell you that if I go home tonight 
and I take my dogs out to go to the bathroom and our bush in the backyard, there's Jesus standing on fire speaking to me. I would like to think that I'm gonna do whatever he says to do. W would you agree? Yes, okay. So I would like to think that I'm gonna agree with him. I would like to think that I'm gonna be in with him, but let's watch what Moses does. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, we can't be too hard on Moses because Moses hadn't read the book of Exodus yet. So Moses don't know what's about to happen. So Moses is standing there and Jesus is speaking to him. And this is what Jesus says, check this out. Exodus chapter three, verse seven. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Now I wanna, I wanna pause real quick and, and say to somebody, I felt this, this this morning and I feel it tonight, this is the word God wants you to hear. I want you to pay attention to this because maybe you've been wrestling with something this week. And maybe your question when you walked in the room tonight was, does God even know I exist? And this, watch what God says. I have seen, I have heard, I am aware. God's like, I, I know what's going on. In fact, he tells Moses, I know stuff about your problem that you don't know about your problem. Now at this point, at this point, Moses is kind of doing the head nod thing. You know what the head nod is? The head nod is the prelude to an amen. Like for example, when I told y'all a few weeks ago that you're not a hand raiser, but you're a wing flapper, you got your hands in your pockets. I noticed some of y'all been, and hands been coming out of them pockets. Y'all getting there, I'm telling you. Well, what happens in church is a lot of people, they're not used to saying amen. The prelude to saying amen is you kind of turn your head sideways and you nod it. Now, what comes after that is not an amen, it's a moo. You'll go, mmm, mmm. And visitors are like, your people moo. Like, why are they mooing right now? And after that, it'll be an amen. All right, so, so for those, I see some of y'all tonight, y'all are like, y'all, you're close, you're close. You're, you're wing flapping and you got your head tilted. So right here, Moses, Moses kind of does one of these. Moses listens to this and he goes, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And, and then God goes on, he says this. He says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is the land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, the Jezebites, who have Selahite, oh, they all live there, all right? So I threw that last part in for free. Here's what's amazing about this. Here's what's amazing. The, the, the first part about this that's amazing is God said, I don't wanna just set them free from slavery. That, now that would be cool. God said, I wanna set you free. God said, I want to, to set them free from slavery and then bring them into a land that they can't even conceive. It'll blow their mind. Later on in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, God will spell out, I'm gonna bring you into a land where you're gonna have houses that you did not build. You're gonna have cities that you did not build. You're gonna have vineyards that you did not plant. God said, I'm not only gonna bring you out of slavery, but I'm gonna bring you into the most abundant life. You, you can't even imagine when you're a slave how much freedom you can have in Christ. Now, the second thing that's mind-blowing about this passage is... The gods, because it was a polytheistic, especially the Egyptians, the gods in this time period, the gods didn't do things for people. 
people did things for the gods. So you had to sacrifice. You had to sacrifice goats and animals and, and, and some, some, some tribes sacrificed their children in order to get the attention of the gods. So, so the fact that God wanted to do something for a group of people and they had done nothing to earn it, it, it was almost like this thing called grace right here in the, in the Old Testament. And so Moses, Moses at this point, he's still nodding his head. He's like, I'm into this. In fact, he mooed right here, went, mm, that's good. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. And Moses, by this time, he's, he's shaking his head. And that's what God does. He gets us to see something, breaks our heart. We start shaking our head. Yep, man, that's awful, terrible what's happening to those people. And then we have what I call an oh crap moment. The oh crap moment is where God says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Moses was good up until this point. He's like, yep, that's good, that's good, that's good. Oh, hold on a minute, hold on. For a minute, I thought you said you wanted me to do it. And, and the guy in the bush said, that's what I said. See, most people that I know, if we're honest, we're incredibly submitted to God's global will, but when it comes to God's personal will, God, I want you to change the world. I want you to make the world a better place. I want you to leave me alone because I don't need no help. I mean, I need a little help, but I, I don't need as much help as that person on my row. Like, I, I, I don't need that much help. God, I'm surrendered to what you wanna do in the world. I'm, not, I'm just not sure I'll, I want, I wanna be involved. See, Moses thought, yeah, man, these people should get set free. That's a good idea. And God said, you're gonna do it. And he was like, oh, snap, I'm not sure about that. So, so once again, keep this in mind. This is, this is where I'm getting to. We, we started out by saying if God would appear the way he appeared in the scriptures and talk to us the way he talked to them in the scriptures, that we would be sold out and bought it. So, so this is Jesus on fire in the middle of a bush saying, this is what I want you to do. And most people think, well, this is where you break out in the I surrender all and you sing all 478 verses and you just kind of go in face down, right? But watch what happens. But Moses protested. Now, it was a mostly peaceful protest, so it didn't get covered a lot, but Moses protested to God. And then he asked this question. And it's an important question because he asked it twice. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I? to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Moses was like, I think it's a great idea. You got the wrong guy. My father-in-law, Jethro, he's a priest. That's who you want. you want. You want the preacher. You don't, God, I've been hanging out with these stupid sheep for 40 years and walking around the desert with stinky feet and sheep. And, and I don't know why you're calling me, why you're trying to get me 
involved. Who, who am I? Moses, Moses, Moses had this thing where he thought he was too, well, there's, there's three things that Moses thought. I think this is what I wrote down, three. And, and the three comes from the Baptist in me, but we always stick with three and I don't know why. Here we go. Number one, Moses thought, I'm too bad. I'm too bad. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Think for a second. This is going to get personal. Think about one of the most messed up, jacked up, sinful things you've ever done. Just think about it for a second. Everybody got it? All right, and, and just a second, I want to have you turn and tell your neighbor. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that because... <laughs> Because that'd be weird, right? Because it's like some, anyway, confession time just gets weird. Here's what, here's, here's the deal. Probably nobody in this room, hopefully, sat there and thought, I've, I can't think of a sin I've done. I can't think of a, I think I'm, I might be perfect. I might be sinless. Nobody had that thought. And if you did, God, we, we, we'll talk another time. There's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. But all of us know what we've done. We're all, we've all sinned. The Bible says we've all fallen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Pastor P, I don't think you should be calling sin out like that. Well, we all sinned. How many of you sped on the way to church tonight? Mm-hmm. Got seven honest people in the room. Some of you are sitting on sin right now. You're sitting on sin. You're sitting on sin. Pastor P, what do you mean? Your driver's license. What you told them was your weight. It never was. <laughs> You're sitting on a lie right now because that's what you said. You're, all of us have sinned. And this is what I love about the Bible. Hey, this is how you know that the Bible is not some book made up by a bunch of men and women that wanted to make themselves look good. You know how I know that? They would have left a lot of those stories out because there's some, in fact, other than Jesus, everyone in the Bible is jacked up. Moses was a drunk. Sorry, Noah was a drunk. Moses probably was after walking around with sheep for 40 years. If not, he missed an opportunity. Um, Moses was a murderer. Abraham was a liar. David was an adulterer. Peter was a denier. Thomas was a doubter. Paul was a murderer. Everybody in the Bible other than Jesus was messed up. That's why I'm so glad I heard this years ago. God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. We can't be used by God until we understand it's his mercy and grace to begin with. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm too bad, I'm too bad. This is the second one. I've ran too far. Now this one's personal to me because this is the one that I, I said to God, when, when he started dealing with me about starting Second Chance. I was like, I've ran too far, God. Because if you've been fired before, it's not fun. And when you get fired publicly, it's double not fun. And so I went to treatment and I came back and I'm trying to rebuild my life and God started dealing with me. I, I told y'all, I didn't even talk to anybody about it because I didn't want, I, I was afraid God was gonna tell somebody else and he eventually did, anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with it. And I was like, God, there's, there's no way I could ever work in a church again. Because when you get fired in church world, you get this big scarlet A on your chest and people won't touch you. And so I got up one morning. Now be careful with this. Be careful with this. Because if you pray this prayer, you better mean it. I got up one morning. I never will forget it. I said, God, I need you to make it 
clear. Make it clear that you want me because God, I, I've ran too far. Now this next part is gonna sound like a preacher story and it is a preacher story because I'm a preacher and it's my story, but it's true. It happened just like this. I finished my quiet time that morning and I didn't see anything. I was getting ready to get up and God was like, you're not done. So I'm sitting there and I'm kind of like, what do you want me to do? And there was a thing that I would do at the end of my quiet time sometimes where I would open up to random passages in the Bible. I just kind of open up to random passages. I don't always recommend this. It's just something that I was doing at the time. He's like, open, just open your Bible. Where? Just open your Bible. I promise you. I opened it up and the verse that caught my attention was Jeremiah 1, 5 that said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And I was like, that's pretty good. That's good, that's some good stuff. But I was wrestling with that whole, God, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified, I got people saying I'm not qualified. And God said, they didn't qualify you, they can't disqualify you. So, I was like, that's good. He said, turn it one more time. I turned, I just flipped it and I flipped it over to Galatians 1.15. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. You see, if you're in this room and you think you're too far gone, you're not too far gone. God knew what you would do before he created you, and he created you anyway and covered that sin with his grace. If you have air in your lungs, there is potential for your life. Amen. Come on. And the last one, <laughs> I have a gift. I don't have a lot of them, but one of my gifts is offending church people. I'm good at it. I'm so good. I'm about to exercise that gift because I'm gonna share with you something that's in the Bible and the longer you've been in church, the more offended you're, gonna, you're more likely to be because I'm gonna share with you something you didn't, you didn't learn in Sunday school, but it's in the scriptures, so I'm gonna share it. Because every once in a while, I don't know about you, but I need an adult il illustration because a Sunday school God won't do for my adult problem. I, have, I live in an adult world with adult problems and, and, and it's completely gone to hell and Sunday school Jesus sometimes isn't gonna cut it. I need a real God that can meet me where I am, speak my language and talk to me in my situation. So I hope you can handle it. If not, Cole will be with me in the first timers area. Number three, it's too late. It's too late. Now, Moses was 80. 80. You don't plan on launching businesses when you're 80. Moses is probably like, God, come on. I was, me and, me and the wife are gonna get a Winnebago and we're gonna drive around, look at the sites for, I mean, 
You're not planning your next phase of life when you're 80. You're planning your retirement party. You're cashing out your 401k. You're not, and God said, yeah. And Moses is like, well, God, when I, was, when I was 20 or when I was 30, when I was 40, maybe. God, I'm 80 and I've been walking around with sheep and I'm tired. I'm just ready to, it's too late. I'm 80. But Moses, something happened. Moses got his passion and he got his fire back. In fact, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible and he wrote the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses wanted us to know something about him. And he put it in the very end of Deuteronomy, right before he climbed up a hill and died. This is what he said. Moses was 120 years old when he died. I'm not sure I want to make it that long. 120? Yet his eyesight was clear. So he's already got me beat because I got progressive lenses. They used to call them bifocals. Now they're progressive. So if we're ever talking and I'm looking at you like this, I'm not looking down on you. This is the part of my glasses I can actually see out of. I can't see Jack out of this part right here. So I'm always looking up, what's up, Fred? How you doing? What's up? What's up, Ernie? How y'all doing? How's your mom and them? What's up, Linda? Oh, you're Frank. I mean, I, I, I get messed up if I'm, if I'm looking out of this. So it's eyesight, but this is the part that gets me. And he was as strong as ever. But was he? Could he bench press at 120 what he could bench press at 30? I was digging into this. He was as strong as ever. One commentator said, and he was as strong, this word strong, this is the way they interpret it. They said, they said nor had his natural force abated. A Jewish commentator, a rabbinical Jewish commentator actually said this, um, he still had his vigor. There's a word you don't use a lot, Vigor. How do you feel tonight? Vigorous. <laughs> the Hebrew word associated with strength is leho. Leho in Hebrew is very often used with sexual innuendos. The text literally says to some Hebrew scholars that Moses' eyesight was still clear and he could still get it up. You didn't learn about that in Sunday school, did you? You didn't draw that picture because if you had drawn that picture in Sunday school, they would have arrested your Sunday school teacher and they should have. Look, mama, what I drew. This is Moses. <laughs> We're not coming back to this church again. I, when I was reading this and I was studying this, I'm like, why? Moses is saying this about himself. I'm like, why would he say that? Why is that? That's not a tattoo verse. Am I right? But in the scriptures, the physical is connected with the spiritual. The physical is connected with the spiritual. Now, in order for that to happen physically, there has to be some passion involved. Yes, follow the science, okay? I'm just talking. Spiritually, Moses is saying, it's not just a physical reference, it's a spiritual reference. See. Those 40 years in the desert, Moses had no passion for God because he, because he had no connection with God. But when Moses 
connected with God on an intimate level and got the passion inside of him, he led over a million people from Egypt to the banks of the Jordan River. Why? Because he was so good? No, because he got his passion from his connection with God. So it's not too late. We can find our passion at any age, at any stage in life. So, so Moses was protesting and he says, who am I, who am I? And God doesn't even answer his question. It skips right over it. God answered, I'll be with you. It's not what I ask. Yeah, but, but I'll be with you. And, and this is your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Skipped right over the question. Moses, go, 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 tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you weren't in a youth group in the 90s, you have no idea what I just did, but that's actually a song. Verse 13, but Moses protested. You see what's going on here? If God would appear to me and talk to me the way he did in the Bible, I would say yes. Well, Moses didn't. He's one of the greatest men of God ever. Moses was like, ah, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them you were on fire in a bush talking to me, like the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they will ask me, what is his name? What should I, what, I mean, what's your name, Mr. Man on Fire in the middle of the bush? It's a legit question, right? So this, don't miss this. He asked, who am I? God didn't, then he said, who are you? See, when God starts speaking to us, the wrong question is who am I? The right question is who are you? Who are you? What's your name? He got out his notebook and his pen and he's ready to write. I just need to know your name. And this is what God says. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. What's your name? I am. I am Sam. Sam, I am. Do you like green eggs and ham? Like what, what, what is your, I am. How weird would that be if you met somebody in the lobby tonight and said, hey man, what's your name? I am. You're what? I am. That's a weird name, isn't it? Because there's a lot of names that God could have covered. There's like Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Tanitsu and um, Jehovah Rapha. And, and there's like Yahweh and there's Adonai and there's El Shaddai. And there's all kinds of things that God could have said, but he chooses to use I am. And I, that, was a, that was one of those breeze over passages that I would just breeze over when I was early in the scriptures reading it because I didn't understand it. But then it blew my mind when I saw this for the first time. God's name answers a lot of the questions that some of us walked in here with tonight. His name is the answer to the question. Pastor Pete, what are you talking about? Let me show you. What's God's name? I am. Is anyone aware of how much I'm struggling right now? And God said, I am. So you thought you were alone. And God's name reminds us that he's with us in every 
single second of the struggle. Amen. See, some people have been told if you, if you struggle, you're not godly. I, I don't think that at all. I, I think struggleness is a sign that you're trying to fight to do the right thing. Is struggleness a word? I don't know. It is now. I made it up. This is, this is what got... This is, this is what makes me feel better. When I'm reading through Romans and I see Paul, who if you're gonna make a top 10 list of like Christians of all time, Paul's on everybody's list. And this is what Paul said in Romans chapter seven. I wonder if anybody's ever felt this way. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Let's keep going. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Did, did Paul struggle? But God helped him. Because he went on to write in Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight is beautiful because Paul says at the end of Romans chapter seven, he said, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he tells us if our mind is set on the spirit, then we live in freedom. There's, Romans eight is so beautiful. Paul said, I struggle, but then when I turn to the spirit, the spirit helps me with my struggle. So I know I can over, overcome the struggle, not with my own strength, but through the spirit. Next week, we're talking about the power of God. Don't miss next week. I'm telling you, if you miss next week, oh, we might not even stream it. I'm just kidding, we'll stream it. I just freaked all of our internet people out. Is anyone, is anyone aware of my struggle? God says, I am. How about this one? Is anyone able to put my broken life back together? What's God's name? You ever felt broken? I've been there. The, the thing that popped in my mind, though, when I thought about this was my mom growing up. My mom and dad, we didn't have a lot of money, but my mom found this, like, vase pot-looking thing. I don't know what it was, but she found it, um, and this was at, I don't even know where she found it. I know it cost a lot of money, and she bought it, and I wasn't allowed to play near it because if I played near it and I broke it, I got a spanking. That's the way it worked in my house. I didn't have a mama that said, stop it, now stop it, now stop it, because if you don't stop it, I'm gonna tell you to stop it again. My mom counted to three one time in my life. She made it to three. I was like, let's go to three. She made it to three and she never made it past one ever again. I had one of those mamas. So I never, I didn't get near this thing. I didn't even know what it was. Kind of ugly to be honest with you. So one day I, mama was not at home and I kind of snuck over near it and started looking at it. This thing was the most jacked up ugly thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was cracks all in it. It was all messed up. It kind of looked a little mangled. So that night at dinner, I asked mom, I said, I said, mom, I said, the, the thing over there that you, like, whatever that is. I said, have you seen it? Because it's jacked up. It's cracked. And she just looked at my dad and they laughed. She said, oh, I know. She said, I'd had it for about a week and I had it on the kitchen counter. I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. She said, I turned real fast with something in my hands and I knocked it off the counter and it hit the ground and it shattered. My question was, well, why didn't you just throw it away? And her answer was, because I paid too much for it. I paid too much for it. She said, so I got the broken pieces and I put it back together. And she said, now it actually has more value because I took the broken pieces and put it back together. Yeah. Now, 
We'll sit and go, man, that's a cool story about your mom in a vase. How much more so did Jesus pay for you with his blood on a cross? Don't tell me he can't put broken things back together. Last but not least, is anyone willing to love me in my current condition? And God says, I am. A lot of times we get the idea, the mentality, the church kind of teaches that God's in love with a future version of you. Like right now, he's kind of in like with you. But like once you start reading your Bible and praying and going to church and start to tithe and start to volunteer and invite some people, he will love you. And that's, that's the, God, God loves you right now, right now, as you are. And you say, but Pastor P, I'm a mess. That's not a secret. He knows. This is, Cole and I were having a conversation this week. Cole and Addie are getting ready to have the baby. Actually, Addie's gonna have the baby. Cole is gonna... I think that whatever drugs she gets, you should get them too. I just want you to know. I think you should get a double portion. But I told Cole this week on the phone, I said, get a notebook and just start writing stuff down. I said, God's gonna teach you so much through this kid. He's, gonna, he's just gonna start teaching you stuff. I never will forget, he taught me a lesson one morning. I used to have Saturday date day with Karis. I would go get Karis out of bed and I would get her dressed. And she was about 14, 15 months old. And it's like when they had, she, you could put the little bow in the girl's hair and she had like strong bow game. Um, and, and she just looked so cute in her little outfits. And she was at that age where she was just smiling. And it, I, I loved it. And what I used to do is I used to sneak up to her room door and I would put my ear at the door and just listen to see if she was up. Cause sometimes she'd be up and she would be talking or she'd be reading a book. At 14, 15 months old, she could read. It was crazy. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm leaning, I'm listening, I'm listening. I was like, I'm gonna go in to her room. And so this particular morning, <laughs> I opened the door to go in her room and it, the smell, it's, it smelled like Satan farted. That, that, that's, if, if Satan could fart, he farted in my daughter's room because it was awful. It was awful. And I was like, this is not normal. Something has gone wrong. I went into the room, I turned the corner, and there's my daughter, 14, 15 months old, and she'd gotten sick the night before. And it came out both ends. And it was everywhere, all over her, the bed, the wall, the carpet. And I did what every dad does in that situation. I stood there with my arms like this, this is what we do when we don't know what to do. We just stand there. And, and we're not even really thinking about what we're supposed to do. We're actually freaking out because we don't know what to do. And she looked up and she saw me. And I never will forget this. She held her arms out and she went, Daddy. Now, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't say, Daddy. Uh-uh. You don't call me Daddy. Will you mess? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, girl. You clean yourself up. And while you're at it, clean up the sheets, clean up the wall, clean up the carpet. And then when you get clean and you get perfect, maybe I will allow you to come into my presence and call me father. No, 
I didn't do that. You know why? Because I'm her father and I'm bigger than the mess that she made. So when she held out her arms and said, daddy, I didn't run away from her. I ran to her. I picked her up, mess and all. I cleaned her up. I cleaned up the sheets. I cleaned up the wall. I cleaned up the carpet. I cleaned up the mess because I'm her father. And that's what a father does when his child reaches out and says, father, daddy, the father steps in and cleans up the mess. The, listen, the price he paid is way bigger than the mess that we've made. I don't care how bad you think you've messed it up. God loves you right now, as you are, not as you will be. And for some people tonight, you just need to maybe say, Father, I've ran too, I, I thought I ran too far, but tonight I'm coming back home. Jesus, I just wanna thank you that your love is real, that your power is real, that your grace is real, that your mercy is real, and God, that your word is real. God, you're speaking in this room tonight. You're speaking to hearts and you're speaking to minds of people that have been running or trying to deny what you've wanted to do in our lives for so long. Jesus, tonight I pray that we would just receive the word that you wanna speak into us. God, that we would receive what you wanna say, even if we might not like it. God, we would receive the fact that we are loved, we are covered by grace, we're covered by mercy. God, that we have the strength to overcome anything that the enemy throws our way. God, I pray that we would receive what you're wanting to say to us tonight. God, that we would receive it with open hearts and open minds and open arms saying, yes, stand to do your will. I receive your reign. Father, I want to thank you tonight that you're still speaking. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just need to say, Jesus, make your word so clear to me. What's my next step? What's that next thing you want me to do? Make your word so clear to me. Maybe you're here tonight and you, you need to establish that connection. You need that passion. Maybe you need to stop running. Maybe, maybe you need to just receive his love. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You never asked Jesus to come into your life and you know that's the step you need to take tonight. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord. If that's you, then I wanna invite you right where you stand tonight, right now to ask Jesus to come into your life. I'm gonna ask you to do it by saying a prayer out loud, but not alone our whole Second Chance family, we're gonna pray this prayer with you. So if you're here tonight, you know you need to receive Christ, you pray this, and Second Chance family, let's pray it along with them. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you. You are Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ into your life, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. So if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and put your hands straight up in the air and just leave it up so I can celebrate with you? Amen, amen, amen. Anybody else? Amen, amen, amen. Father, I wanna thank you for the hands all over the room that went up tonight. 
God, I want to thank you that you've met us here all day. God, I want to thank you for the hand that I saw online today when I was scrolling through the feed. God, I want to thank you that no matter where we are, you meet us right there. Father, I pray that as we walk out of this room tonight, that your word would be so powerful in our lives. Your word would be undeniable this week that we would know that you are with us, that you are for us, and that in you, the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. Amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Come on. I hope y'all have a phenomenal week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.